Well, good morning, Green Pines. Take your Bible in hand and turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 17. The book of Acts chapter 17. Uh, we're going to be studying in just a few moments from Acts chapter 17, beginning with verse 22. Uh, I know that you are praying for your pastor and his family uh, as they're away in these days of refreshment and rejuvenation. Uh, thank you so much for being so sensitive uh, to your pastor, his family, uh, to the demands of ministry that you as a congregation are willing to grant a sabbatical. Thank you uh, for that love and compassion and mercy that you're pouring into the life of your pastor and his family. I appreciate Jared. Jared has been one of those uh, young men that it's obvious since I've been in the state uh, is a person who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, who uses all of his spiritual giftedness to bring honor and glory to the Lord and is a real leader in the state of North Carolina among Baptist family. And so it's a delight simply to be here and to share with you God's holy word. I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to begin Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. You'll follow along reading silently as I read aloud. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens... I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having predetermined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Father, would you help us not only to understand intellectually the principles of this passage, but would you help us today to grasp these biblical principles with our hearts and with our lives? Would you help us to be people who take Acts 17 and use it to mold the way we live to bring honor and glory unto you? Father, we lift our minds, our hearts, and our lives to you today. And we ask that you would touch each for your honor, for your glory, and for your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. As you're being seated, I want to share with you this morning that the Baptist State Convention, like you, understands North Carolina is changing. We look around as you look around and see that those who call North Carolina home these days look differently than they did in bygone years. We've been observing that God is bringing the nations to North Carolina. We've seen our population grow, and our population grow primarily because in North Carolina, people from many different parts of the world are coming to live in the Tar Heel State. We at the Baptist State Convention have noticed that people are coming from East Asia and Southeast Asia and South Asia. People are coming from Central America and South America. People are coming from Europe. 
all across the globe to live here in the place we all call home. And so this past year, the Baptist State Convention has been involved in a study trying to determine how many different people groups live within the state of North Carolina. And we've discovered in our research that 157 different people groups live in this state we call home. 157. 157 people groups. That means 157 different groups of people who have a distinct language, who have a worldview that's different than ours in the Deep South. They may perhaps look a little different. When they speak English, it may sound a little different. Their religious views are come from a different thought. 157 different people groups. And we've begun to ask the question, why? Why do we have 157 different people groups from all across the world coming to live in North Carolina? Sometimes I ask that question and people respond to me and say, well, Chuck, it's probably our agricultural industry. They're coming to work in our crop production or they're coming to work perhaps in our poultry industry or swine industry and, and many of our internationals do. Others say to me, no, it's our education, our institutions of higher education. They're coming to study in graduate programs at Duke University and UNC Chapel Hill and NC State and many of our international residents do. Others say to me, no, it's the research triangle. It's certainly that's why they're coming to Raleigh from all across the world. Engineers and scientists coming with their education, with their knowledge, and many of our internationals work within the research triangle. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe we turn to Acts chapter 17 this morning, and the Apostle Paul tells us why so many people from so many places around the globe are coming to live in North Carolina. Paul tells us God is bringing the nations to North Carolina. And he's bringing them here for a purpose, for a reason that will bring honor and glory to him. And this morning, what I want us to do through these verses of Scripture is to understand why God is bringing the nations to North Carolina and how you and I as the church should respond to our new international neighbors. The first thing I want you to see that Paul teaches us in this passage of Scripture this morning is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. We see that beginning in verse 24. Look with me, if you will. Paul, standing to speak, to preach, if you will, says in verse 24, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth. Paul said if we want to understand this passage of Scripture, the very first thing we have to understand is the sovereignty of God. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He is the master. He is the king. He is in control of everything in heaven and everything on earth. He is sovereign. Now Paul begins to help us to understand the sovereignty of God by focusing on three different aspects of God's sovereignty. We look at verse 24, and we see that Paul says that this sovereign God is also the creator. Look at verse 24. The God who made the world and all things in it. God who made the world and all things in it. This sovereign God is also the creator. He made the world and all things in it. Now keep your finger in Acts chapter 17, because that phrase forces us this morning to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Come with me to the very first verse of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, 
Let's remind ourselves of this sovereign God, this creator God who made the world and all things in it. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Look with me, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 6. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. Verse 9. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Verse 11. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind, and seed in them, and it was so. Verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. Come to verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts on the earth after their kind, and it was so. And Paul says this creator God from the book of Genesis, this creator God who spoke and the sun began to shine in the sky, who spoke and the moon began to glow at night, this God in Genesis who spoke and the waters and the dry ground were separated, this God in Genesis who spoke and fish began to swim in the sea and birds began to fly in the air, this God who spoke in the book of Genesis and all of the animals were created, this God, this sovereign creator God, It's the God he calls our attention to in Acts chapter 17. And he wants us to know that if we want to understand why the international community has come to North Carolina to live, we must first understand the sovereignty of the Creator God. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. We come back and he speaks about God's sovereignty in verse 25, and he calls God in verse 25 a giver, if you will. Look at verse 25. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. That concept, ladies and gentlemen, takes us back to Genesis, where we see God kneeling in the dirt and forming from the dirt the form of a human body. And the Bible says he breathes into the nostrils of that lump of clay, and that lump of clay becomes the first father of the human race, the man called Adam. And then he causes a deep sleep to come over Adam, and the Bible teaches us that God reaches in his side and removes a rib, and from that rib he forms and fashions the first woman of mankind, the woman called Eve. And Paul says if we want to understand why the international community has come to North Carolina, we need to understand the sovereignty of God. That the God who created the world and the God who gives life to men and women across the globe, he's involved in this migration of people from across the globe to the state of North Carolina. One last aspect of God's sovereignty that I want you to see this morning. Come back, verse 26, and see that God is also maker. Please don't miss this point. 
in the text, verse 26. And he, speaking of this sovereign God, this creator God, this giver of life, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, the word nation there comes from the English word from which we get the word ethnics. It's the word ethnos in the language of the New Testament. We get our English word ethnic. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying from one man, this sovereign God, this creator God who created the earth and the heavens and everything within them, this creator God who formed clay into the form of a man and breathed into his nostrils and man became a living being, this creator God from that one man, Adam, created every nation on the face of the globe, every ethnic group. He created the East Asians and the Southeast Asians. He he created the Russians and the Chinese and the Europeans. He created those from Central America and South America. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I'm saying. Your international neighbor who lives next to you in your neighborhood, your international classmate who was born in a different country but now lives in North Carolina, your international co-worker who, who may not look exactly like you or speak English just like you, God created every one. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when we understand that fact, it should drive a stake in any tinge of racism we might harbor in our hearts. Racism will not end in America because a flag comes off a flagpole, but racism may end in the United States when we understand that God has created every ethnicity on the globe. The person next to us may not have the same skin coloration. The person next to us may not speak English exactly like we speak English. The person next to us may have a different religious worldview But they are children of God as we are children of God. And so our international neighbors who have come to live among us have been brought here by the sovereign God who created them and loves them. The second thing I want us to see from this passage of Scripture is not only is God sovereign, from one man he's made every ethnicity on the globe, but God is also strategic. Come back and look with me, verse 26 in this text. Verse 26. And he made from one man every nation. From Adam, God made every ethnicity on the globe. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Now watch this. Having determined the appointed times, we'll come back to that phrase in a moment, and the boundaries of their habitation. The word boundaries there is the word from which we get our English word horizons. Here's what Paul is saying. From one man, Adam, God created every ethnicity in the world, and, and he strategically determined the horizons under which they would live. He determined the continents upon which they would live and the countries in which they would live. He determined the boundaries that they would call home. He determined their native lands. But come back and look at the text. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Now don't miss this phrase. Having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. Here's exactly what Paul is saying. This is the most simplistic way I know to say it. 
From one man, Adam, God created every ethnicity on the earth, and he determined where they would live and when they would live there. He not only determined their boundaries, their horizons, the places geographically they would call home, but he determined the appointed times in which they would inhabit those boundaries. So ladies and gentlemen, here's what Paul is saying to us this morning. If you have a neighbor who lives next to you and their birthplace is another country, they've been brought to live next to you strategically by God. He has not only determined the place where they will live, he determined the season, the time period, the days in which they would live in that location. Your international neighbor was not brought here simply by the lure of an economy or the lure of freedom or a job promotion or a job change. Your international neighbor was brought here by the hand of God who has determined strategically that for a season they'll live next to you. They'll live in your subdivision. They'll live in your neighborhood. They'll work in the cubicle next to you at your company. They'll attend math class or English class next to you as the new school year starts. God has strategically brought internationals to North Carolina to live next to us for this season of their lives. Now, for just a few moments, can I help you to understand the people that God has brought to the Raleigh Metroplex? The Raleigh Metroplex. You see, I mentioned a moment ago, 154 different people groups we've identified in North Carolina. 97 of those people groups live here in the Raleigh Metroplex. They live in Raleigh proper, or they live in Nightdale, or they live in Windale, or they live in Zebulon or Clayton. They live in the Raleigh Metroplex. And we've been able to identify what we call the Baptist State Convention, the five top priority people groups. We look at variables such as what's their population here in the Raleigh area, what's their access in their homeland to the life-transforming message of Jesus, how persecuted or oppressed are they if they are believers in their homeland? We've taken a lot of variables and we've put them into our thought process and we've been able to determine the top five people groups in the Raleigh metro area. Literally, we're saying that these are five groups of international people who desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me introduce these five to you. First of all, you can see on the screen, I believe, uh, behind me, first of all, we have the Arab Berber people. The Arab Berber people are primarily from Morocco. That's their native land. Across the globe, there are 33 million Berber people, Arab Berber people. Their primary religion is Sunni Islam, not Christianity, Sunni Islam. The primary languages they speak, Berber, Arabic, French, Spanish, and English. And then I want you to see that bottom line across 3,000 unreached and unengaged living in the Raleigh metro area. Let me explain that phrase. That means that there are 3,000 Arab Berber people living around you, living around me within a 30 to 45 minute drive of where we are worshiping this morning 3,000, they are unreached and unengaged. Unreached means that the global population of this people group is less than 2% Christian. 
Or to state it another way, over 98% of this population does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, unreached. Unengaged means that here in the Raleigh area, to the best of our knowledge, listen, no one is engaging them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not an individual, not a Sunday school or Bible study class, not a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, or a Baptist church. No one is engaging this group of Arab Berber people with the life-changing message of Jesus. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we understand that God created them, amen? We understand from this text that God has brought them strategically to live among us, but while they live among us, no one is sharing with this group of Muslim people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That should not be so. The Arab Berber people. Let me share with you the second people group. The second people group are also Arabs. They're the Arab Levant. They're primarily from the Middle East, Syria. You've heard a lot about Syria in the news in the last few months. Worldwide, about 20 million uh, Arab Levant people. Their primary religion, again, Sunni Islam. They're Muslim. Primary languages, Levantine, Arabic, and English. Look, 4,500 Arab Levant live in the Raleigh metro area. Again, unreached, unengaged. 4,500 men, women, teenagers, children. Vast majority do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and no one is engaging with, with the gospel of Christ. No one's telling them about the fact that through Jesus Christ, sin can be forgiven. No one is engaging them with the concept that Jesus died on Calvary's cross to shed his blood for our sins and that through faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrected body, we might have forgiveness of sin and life everlasting. No one is telling them the message of Jesus. People group number three, the Gujarati people. The Gujarati people are primarily from India. There are 60 million worldwide. Religion, Hinduism, Islam, Jainism. Primary language, Gujarati, Hindi, English. 15,000 unreached and unengaged in the Raleigh metro area. 15,000. Number four, the Hindi people. Location, India, 272 million uh, worldwide. Religion, Hinduism, primary language, Hindi and English, 50,000, please hear that number, 50,000 living in the Raleigh metro area. They are engaged with the gospel. We do know of some churches that are trying to reach them with the life-changing message of Jesus, but they are unreached. Over 98% do not know Christ as Lord and Savior. One last people group that I call to your attention, the Punjabi people. The Punjabi people are also from India, 120 million worldwide. Primary religion, Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism. Primary language, Punjabi, Hindi, English, 18,000 living in the Raleigh metro area, unreached and unengaged. Ladies and gentlemen, what Paul is saying to us this morning is this, the sovereign God of heaven and earth who created from one man every ethnicity, has brought literally thousands of international people to live in the Raleigh metro area. And he's done that strategically. 
He's done that for a reason. He, he hasn't acted haphazardly. He hasn't acted, as we would say in South Mississippi, willy-nilly. He, he has a strategy involved. There's a reason He has brought them to live in our subdivisions, in our neighborhoods. There's a reason He's brought them to work next to us in our companies. There's a reason He's brought them to go to school with our children. God is strategic. Final point that we see in this text this morning helps us to understand what God's strategy happens to be. God is sovereign, God is strategic. Finally, I want you to see in this text, God is salvific. You say, Chuck, what in the world does the word salvific mean? It means that God is all about salvation. He's all about seeking and saving that which is lost. He's all about helping those who know not Christ to meet Christ and through Christ step into a loving, eternal relationship with Him as their Father. He is all about the salvation of the world. Let me show you this principle. Acts chapter 17. Look with me, verse 27. Acts chapter 17, verse 27. I'll come back to verse 26 so we get the context. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. The word seek there means to seek until you find. It's a word that comes from the hunting arena, if you will. It speaks of a hunter who seeks his prey until he finds his prey, captures his prey. So Paul says God has appointed the boundaries where ethnicities live. He's appointed the periods and the seasons in which they'll live in those boundaries that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. So Paul says God created every ethnicity, he gave them a place to live, he determined the boundaries and the seasons in which they would live in those locations so that in those locations they would seek after God. And in seeking after God, they would find Him. Now the application is simple, ladies and gentlemen. God, who created from one man every ethnicity, has brought the world to live in North Carolina and he's brought literally tens of thousands of internationals to live among us so that while they're here, they might seek God and find God. Now, when Paul speaks verse 27, he's speaking in what Greek professors tell us is called the optative case. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar, but but they tell us that the optative case signifies, listen, hesitating affirmation. Hesitating affirmation. What does that mean? That means when Paul says that God has placed internationals to live among us so that they might seek God and find God, Paul believes that theoretically that's possible. That a person can seek after God and find God. He believes that's well within the realm of possibility. It's well within the realm of reality. But he's not sure it's going to happen. That's why he takes the action that he takes in verse 22. Come back to verse 22. Let me show you this in the text. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observed that you were very religious in all respects. 
For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Paul found a group of people at Mars Hill who were seeking after God. They were so religious, they had altars built to all of the gods they had ever discovered in history. And to make sure they didn't miss a god, they had an altar even to an unknown god because they were seeking after God. Now look what Paul does. Look at verse 23. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to an unknown god. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance... This I proclaim to you. Paul said, when I find a group of people who are seeking after God, I've found him. I have found him in Jesus Christ. And so Paul stands up and he says, this God that you seek in ignorance, let me tell you about him. And Paul begins to communicate the life-changing message of Jesus. Paul begins to share with people who are seeking after God that he has found God and that he can only be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He begins to communicate that principle that Jesus taught, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the pivotal moment in this text today because this is where I enter the text and this is where you enter the text. Let's put all the pieces together. Here's what Paul is teaching in this passage of Scripture. Why have international people by the hundreds of thousands come to live in North Carolina? And why have international people from some of the most lost people groups in all the globe, in all the world, come to live in Raleigh? Because the sovereign Lord, the God of heaven and earth, created from one man, Adam, every ethnicity on the globe. And he determined where those ethnicities would live and when they would live there. And he has brought some to live in the Raleigh metro area so that they might seek God. And as they're seeking God, you and I might be a modern day Paul so that we might look at our international neighbor, our international co-worker, our international classmate, and we might be able to stand and say, I know the God you're seeking after. I have found him in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how he changed my life, how he forgave my sin, how he gave me life everlasting. But as we look at these five people groups, to the best of our knowledge, there are no Apostle Pauls in Raleigh in four of those people groups. Unreached, unengaged. No one standing to the Punjabi people, no one standing to the Gujarati people, no one standing to the Arab people and saying, this God you seek, I found him in Jesus Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, what, what we should hear from heaven this morning if we'll pause to listen is that God's saying to each of us who are Christ followers, I need you to be a Paul. I need you to be Paul to your neighbor. I need you to be Paul to your co-worker. I need you to be Paul to your classmate. If we'll listen collectively, perhaps our Sunday school class will we'll hear God saying this morning, I need you to be a group of Paul. 
maybe not sure how to take the first step, but willing to take the first step, willing to contact the Baptist State Convention and say, help our group, our Sunday school class, engage one of these people groups with the gospel. Maybe collectively, if we will turn our ears toward heaven, maybe Green Pines Baptist Church will hear the Lord say, I need you to be a congregation of Paul's. I need you to say, we'll engage the Punjabi living in Raleigh with the gospel. No passport needed, no plane ticket needed, living in Raleigh. We'll engage the Arab Berber people, the Arab Levant people living in Raleigh with the gospel of Christ. We will be a congregation of Paul's. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. 